We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson, and we are brought to you by Rival Fantasy. And this week's guest, I've got Jesse Roach with me. We're going to talk about the Highlander Dynasty Invitational Keeper Selections, uh, fan favorite number two. And uh, we've we've done some pods talking about the Highlander before. Uh, Jesse, with his uh, law background, is is much better at kind of going through the, the specific keeper designations than, than I am. So I'm going to let him kind of handle the, the explanation of the fan favorite. But first, Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, excited to talk about the Highlander Dynasty Invitational. Fantastic dynasty adjacent format. Uh, obviously, you mentioned keeper. Uh, keeper designation of fan favorite. That's We just had that deadline approach and everyone had to designate one player. There were certain players that could not be designated. These are franchise players. Basically, the top, your first three picks, your first three round picks, you could not designate them. And also, any player selected in the Highlander draft, which is a one-round draft that occurs in November. Those were the only players that could not be selected. Also, rookie eligible players could not be selected. I know that Michael Waterloo was biting his nails waiting for Masataka uh, Yoshida to eclipse 130 plate appearance play, uh, at bats uh, on Sunday. He did, and he will get to him, but he did designate him. So uh, that's basically rundown. Uh, you could what it does, what this designation does, is it protects these players from being poached in the offseason poacher drafts for three years. Uh, there will be up to three players designated. There's already been two. Uh, this is the second one that each team has now designated. It's very difficult to trade these players. There's a steep penalty for trading them. So as you can imagine, there has been no trades of these players yet. Uh, I imagine that it could happen in I, if anyone would pull it off, it'd probably be like Jordan Rosenblum uh, at some point. I am very uh, interested to see if he's able to do something like that. But again, very interesting uh, selections. You're basically committing to this player for three years. And uh, they're, so you're going to often see, see a lot of younger players protected and not players in their 30s. Yeah, and... Uh... You know, generally, it probably skews more towards position players than pitchers, but we do have a, a decent amount of pitchers who have been designated. And uh, I, I still sometimes I just marvel at uh, Brett Sayer's ability to kind of come up with this constitution in the first place. Uh, really, really impressive stuff. Um, 
incredibly creative league format and and i just i love it and there's a chance brett might join us in about an hour but uh, we'll see if that happens or not uh jesse and i are going to be running through uh team by team and we're going to go in order of the standings so we're going to start with the first place team akeem glassby uh last year his fan favorite was nolan arnado and this year jeremy pena Again, Akeem in, in first place uh, by about a point right now. So you would you would be able to guess that his team is is pretty stacked. Uh, what did you think about the the Jeremy Pena selection there? I mean, I think it was the right call. His other option was Will Smith, uh, who's obviously having a fantastic season for the Dodgers. He ended up trading Will Smith for Luis Castillo and Tanner Bybee uh, to kind of address pitching. You know, being in a win now position, it did make some sense. And catcher, if anything, is the deepest position in this league since there's only one starting catcher, 20 team league. Uh, you can there's a high replacement value at catcher, and he already had Eric Haas on his roster, who's been fine, perfectly acceptable. And re- high replacement value. Uh, So I thought that pivoting and trading Smith, who is 28 years old, for younger Pena as the uh, fan favorite made a lot of sense. And I think that there's so much growth in Pena's game, growth potential in his game. And obviously he's having a solid season. I don't think it's necessarily wowing a lot of people. He's saying 255, 301, 422 with six homers and six stolen bases. And if you go to like his stack cast, it's not necessarily going to pop off the page. There's a lot of like blue on his page, but we know that there's power there. He has big speed. He's an incredible athlete. He looks the part, you know, he looks like a future stud and there's very good bats of ball skill here too. 86% zone contact rate this year. I think that a lot of his struggles are due to his approach. You know, he is very much aggressive. He swings outside the zone a lot. His chase contact rate is very poor, 43%. I think that is the main reason we're not seeing the true breakout that maybe we thought could happen after his electric postseason. I still think that there's another level here for Jeremy Pena. Uh, and I thought it was a very strong selection. I thought it was honestly one of the better selections. Pena's just 25 years old. You're locking him up for his prime, basically, on a very good team. A big upside here for Pena. Yeah, and this is a batting average league, which yes. is uh, very important with Pena. He's mm-hmm. he's I think I, I love him in batting average leagues, especially, you know, he's his speed is has uh, caught up to his power in part because of the new rules. And so um, I, I love him in, in batting average formats. Uh, and then Nolan Arenado is, is Akeem's uh, fan favorite from last year. So uh, he's going to get like the final you, Good years of Nolan Arenado, most likely there. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> it had been pretty dreadful to start this season. He's on a bit of a heater now. So uh, hopefully Arenado turns it around. Uh, he's up to 263, 309, 443 with eight home runs. So he's he's getting back on pace now. We, he goes through ups and downs. It's just sort of the hitter he's always been. And uh, I don't really have too much worry about Arenado. No, I don't either, especially just kind of over the next two years. Yeah. Uh, now, second place team, uh, Drew Sperling. He goes with Tyler Glass now as his fan favorite too. Uh, his his fan favorite from last year was Nick Castellanos. Uh, Sperling is is right there, almost neck and neck with Akeem for for first place. Uh, Glass now, obviously already like he's already injured, so there's uh, there's that. But 
in theory, I mean, how many, how healthy does he need to stay basically over the next like three years to kind of pay off this selection? Do you think? Oh man. Um, you know, I think obviously this year, uh, he's going to be back soon. He had another rehab start last night after a little bit of a scare at his, we only went one inning at this previous mm-hmm. start was just a, sitting just above 95 miles an hour as previous start. This was before the designation. So I'm sure that uh, Andrew's breathing a sigh of relief after last night's start, which was electric four innings, shutout ball, nine strikeouts. His velocity was back consistent with what it usually is, you know, averaging over 97 miles an hour with elite fastball shape. You know, I think that a healthy Glasnow is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He arguably has the best stuff of any pitcher in baseball. He's basically Spencer Strider over, you know, better than Spencer Strider in terms of pure stuff. His fastball has better characteristics to Strider. It His breaking balls, I mean, he has two, curve and slider. They're better than Strider's slider, uh, I think, at least from a stuff plus perspective. And, you know, obviously he has more viable pitches than Strider technically does. I mean, Strider's change up solid, but he doesn't throw it very often. So I'm comparing Glasnow to Strider because I think they're very similar arms. And I think that that's the upside we can see immediately from Glasnow if he's healthy. And the, that's a big if, you know, I to get value out of this selection from Glasnow, you know, you're also buying his, what, 29, 30, and 31 age years, which I'm not as concerned for pitchers, but, you know, for pitchers like Glasnow, that can be a little bit scary, you know, for power arms like him, especially coming off injuries. I think that you can, if you get one healthy year or even like two half healthy years, if it adds up to one healthy year from Glasnow, I think this is worth it uh, because that's, elite production for half a year. You can then stash him on the aisle if that's what happens. Uh, and then replacement value with what he could do, I think is justifies a selection. For me, I think Glasnow's still a top 100 dynasty player just because I give, even if you give him a ton of risk, he's, his stuff is so loud and you know his command's not terrible that it's just hard to push him out of the top 100 for me. Um, I have him at 60, which may be aggressive considering, you know, the injury history and his advancing age. But, you know, I really think that he could be a top five starting pitcher as soon as next week, right? If he's back next week. Yeah. I, I applaud the, the boldness uh, to go with a guy with glass ceiling. And, you know, there's, there's risk with, most of these players we're going to talk about, there's some level of risk. I think if he just kind of averages 100 innings per year over this fan favorite designation, I think that's a, that's a win for Sperling. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we move on to, to Ken Balderson in third place. Uh, his fan favorite last year was Logan Gilbert. He stays with the Mariners and designates Jared Kelnick as his fan favorite too. Uh, Kelnick obviously was a guy that, that would have uh, could have gotten in any direction um, coming into this year. Uh, and he's obviously trended way up. Oh yeah. And, you know, Gilbert's in my mind also trending up uh, his secondaries have improved dramatically this year. The shapes changed. And I think that all of a sudden these secondaries for Gilbert, which were basically playing as average pitches are all of a sudden plus pitches. <laughs> the biggest issue with Gilbert is his fastball is kind of backed up a little bit, but if the fastball comes back even more like this, he could just explode even further. So I thought Gilbert is looking very good for him. Uh, Kelnick obviously has had a huge season uh you know, he's starting to slow, which I think, you know, many of us expected to a point. Right. And we need to really watch 
uh, his splits against lefties, he's still still mashing lefties. His performance against breaking balls and set and off speed pitches, which is starting to kind of slow. And you know, a lot of the issues that we they had in prior years are starting to kind of rear their head, ugly head again. That said, you know, if he can keep the contact rate manageable, right? Right now, his zone contact rate seventy nine point four percent. His whiff rate is. 28.1%. So those are fine if he can get to the power in games. Now, if it gets worse, if he struggles against breaking ball, it, it becomes just, he only becomes a fastball hitter, which is what he's been at the major league level before this year. If that's what happens, this could be a bit scary. You know, granted, what he's done this year is fantastic. You know, 283, 331, 538 with eight home runs and six stolen bases. He's a really tricky one to evaluate, in my opinion. Uh, I think that he has top fifty dynasty upside as soon as you know, as soon as now. Honestly, I could see people putting him in that spot right now. Uh, I have him out just outside of top fifty, to be honest. Um, but these, he's probably trending down slightly ever since my update, which was just a week ago. Uh, but I am a little bit concerned. But I think, given the upside, his youth, uh, I think it's a very worthwhile gamble. He wasn't uh, part of this fan favorite mix um, for, for any team, uh, but how would you how would you compare Kelnick versus Josh Lowe right now in Dynasty? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I easily prefer Kelnick. I think my concern with Lowe, um, and this is a player I do like, mind you, is the swing and miss. It's still kind of scary for me. Uh, his zone contact rates around 75%, which is below average. Uh, it's always been that low. He isn't being played against lefties at all, uh, basically. You know, he hasn't really hit lefties in major league level yet. And, you know, his usage is concerning. I think if you're going to be in a weekly locking format like this, if he's sitting against all lefties, which is what he's been doing this year, uh, you know, that limits his ultimate upside. But then again, <laughs> then again, it, it keeps his average in check, doesn't allow it to crater, you know, keeps his performance hopefully on the upward trajectory. And, you know, maybe for some players, it doesn't hurt for them to get platooned, especially if they're strong side bats like low. Um, but because I think we're seeing Kelnick hit against lefties and play every day, uh, I'm and also play, hit in the middle of the order. I mean, I'm pretty sure Lowe is hitting like six, seven in a very good race lineup. But still, I do prefer Kelnick by a good bit to Lowe. Okay, now, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I it, they're they're closer for me, I think, but um, I, I definitely understand that that case. Uh, and then, I mean, in this league, you know. Platoon bats are going to be in starting lineups, like oh, strong yeah. side platoon bats, especially like, outfielders. Right. So you're there's no there's no such thing as like, well, I have to sit this guy because he's sitting against lefties, but it does just cap just how high they can climb in terms of the, the counting stats. Exactly. Uh, now, Eric Cross, uh, the fourth team we're going to talk about here. Um, this is this is maybe my my favorite combo of fan favorites. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just it's so. You know, kind of living life on the edge, but it's just it's so much fun. He's he's got Shane McClanahan as his fan favorite from last year, and then Joe Ryan. He goes with another pitcher as his fan favorite from this year. Uh, I mean, I think he's I think he might be the only person with double pitchers as fan favorites. Uh, but I, I you know you'd be hard pressed to find a, a better realistic duo if you're going to go with two pitchers. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, McClanahan is probably the best fan favorite selection of last year. I think there's maybe some arguments to be made about like Zach Gallen, which we can, we'll talk about a little bit. But uh, I think McClanahan's stuff just is up there. I think that there's a the big question is whether McClanahan or Strider are honestly the top dynasty starting pitcher. I have McClanahan as the top dynasty starting pitcher personally because of you know how many how much stuff he has and how good it is. It's ticked up even more this year, and he's proven to be healthy. You know, they had a shoulder scare at the end of last year. Uh, so healthy McClanahan is elite. Joe Ryan is obviously kind of a conundrum. He's added a sweeper this year. It's kind of helped elevate his profile in general. You know, having a strong, it's, it profiles from a stuff plus perspective as a plus pitch, but stuff plus also loves sweepers. So, you know, you got to kind of like weigh that. But generally having a breaker that is uh, a legit, you know, out pitch for him is, is kind of transformed his profile, you know, before his changeup and his not so great slider just were not truly viable. I guess they were maybe average pitches at the major league level. He was very much leaned heavily on his fastball. So adding the sweepers really elevated him um, to the next level. That said, you know, his other choice he could have had here was Christian Javier. Um, so for me, I thought that was an interesting selection to go Ryan over Javier, be given that, you know, Javier, I think has more, upside you know obviously we, we saw a lot of it last year um, i think that javier's stuff personally i think is better than ryan's and he is a bit younger so and he's also performing you know he's not necessarily performing as well as ryan but it's an interesting selection who would you have gone with james i would have gone with ryan uh i i'm just i'm such a big believer in uh his fastball mm -hmm. uh with the characteristics. I mean, the fastball is also up almost a, a full tick mm -hmm. um, from last year. Uh, I just, I think he's, he's so safe to me, uh, especially just by starting pitcher standards. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to buy the Javier has a, a higher ceiling than Ryan case that much when we're sort of seeing Joe Ryan's this is Joe Ryan's ceiling and it's mm -hmm. you know top 10 starting pitcher in the game basically true yeah I mean I do think that you know what Ryan's done this year his big changes really have elevated him uh, into that conversation for sure so yeah that's that's a really fun combo for for Eric Cross and he is in fourth place right now in the Highlander Dynasty Invitational uh, we will move on now to the fifth place team. That's Eddie Almaguer, uh, his fan favorite last year, Tommy Edmond, and this year, Matt Chapman. Uh, that's that's a fun just combo, just those two players that kind of complement each other um, fairly well. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think about the the call on, on Chapman there from, from Eddie? No, I like it. I think that it's always a little risky going with 30-year-olds as fan favorites because decline happens. Um, it happens starting around. 30 <laughs> generally and i think that that's my biggest concern with chapman a lot of his production this year is because he's just barreling everything in sight he leaves, leads major league baseball in barrel rate and his power is the best he's had in his entire career uh, his hard hit rate 65.4 percent it's just absurd yeah. he's seeing everything on on the nose the my big concern with Chapman, other than the age, is he only has five home runs despite all this hard contact. This is a player who has been a player who's he's hit 36 home runs way back in 2019, the, the year of the bouncy ball. 
but he does have that type of power. He's just hitting tons of doubles. He has 18 doubles this year. It's kind of driving his profile. Uh, his zone contact rate, while it was great early in the season, at least it had kind of rebounded to his, in my mind, his peak years, his 2018, 2019 years, it's fallen hard. It's down to 74.3%. Uh, I'm concerned about Matt Chapman. I think that there's too much, there's still swing and miss there. It's just been there. And I think that the early production is, is just completely driven by the quality of his contact. And it's not going, it's not sustainable. The quality of contact is not sustainable. It's going to come back. And if the power, if the home runs aren't coming like they have in the past, then it's the profile becomes a little problematic. That's it. It's hard not to love how he's performed this year. Um, he's on a great team, hitting in the middle of a very good lineup. Um, obviously, he's going to be in the lineup because he's a fantastic defensive player. Uh, but I do think that there's going to be heavy regression coming. Yeah, I mean, monster regression coming for the batting average. Mm-hmm. Uh the power, you know, he's basically been 25 homers in the bank every year yep. up until this year. I would tend to think he gets there again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, would, I would think that the home run power probably ticks up as the batting average takes a steep tumble down in the coming months. But uh, it's kind of comparable to Akeem keeping Arenado last year. It's kind of the same logic to me where you're just – there's there's a nice high floor here with Chapman because of that defense. He's just in this league, a guy who's playing every day and isn't just a you know Isaiah Kinder, kind of Falefa caliber guy. It, there's there's a high enough floor there, I think, for Chapman, um, kind of like with Arenado, where even if there is a decline as he ages, you're at least getting that that steady bat in the lineup every day. Yeah, something like 240, 250 with 25-plus home runs is basically what I'd expect from Chapman. I wouldn't expect his average to be quite as bad as it's been you know, before this year, the last couple of years. Uh, but you know, there is risk, but obviously the floor is uh, quite high. And obviously, I think the ceiling is quite high. You know, he's kind yeah. of flashing a little bit here, but you know, I think there's more. Even if the average comes down, uh, to two, if I think there's a chance he could be like a 260, 270 hitter with 30 home runs this year, he ends up that way. Uh, and I'm actually kind of, I think it's surprising to be honest that he only has five home runs given the park dimension changes and his quantity of hard contact. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, that's that's the top five in the league. Uh, we're going to head to a quick break, a message from our sponsors. But when we come back, we'll take a look at the sixth place team. And that happens to be Jesse Roach. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy's games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, Rotowire listeners can get a $50 protected first play, that means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code ROTOWIRE, MLB, at sign up and deposit a minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to $50. Now is the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Baseball has always been America's pastime, but a close second is horse racing, and we've got the best way to get in on the action. Stable Duel brings a new way to play the races, and this weekend they have over 20000 in prizes for the Preakness Stakes. Select your team or your stable of horses and compete against other players for big money prizes. Watch your stable move up the leaderboard as your horses accumulate points based on where they finish in the race. Don't know anything about horse racing? Don't worry, the app has all you need to know with free data on each horse's record as well as a risk, speed, and value number for choosing your best runners. This is the first game of its kind and you don't want to miss out. Get in on the action and start perfecting your strategy. Download Stable Duel app now and begin building your winning stable. Play, race, win with Stable Duel. Download at StableDuel.com. All right, Jesse. Uh, we are up to your team, the sixth place team in the standings. Uh, your fan favorite last year was Pablo Lopez, and I love your fan favorite this year, Brian Reynolds. Yeah, I thought that Reynolds was the 
clear option, 28 years old, having, you know, arguably a breakout season. And even though he's kind of slumped lately, he's still just hitting everything on the nose, yes. hitting everything hard. Uh, his over the last, I guess, 10 days, he's not performed that well. You know, he's only been, he's bond four for, or five for 32, but his hard hit rate, 73.9%, uh, you know, in general this year, his hard hit rate is 55.2%. Everything's on the line. Um, five home runs, six stolen bases. He's new rule changes. He's been running more, which, I, you know, he does have a little speed. I think that is a bit sustainable. I don't necessarily think he's going to be like a 20 stolen base player, but I could see him getting to like 10 to 15 for sure. And my big concern is, you know, obviously he's slowed a bit. He is going to be 28. He's 28 now, so I'm buying his 28, 29, 30-year-old seasons, uh, which I'm fine with. I think those are good season, good production, productive seasons for a player like Reynolds. Uh, but I, I had other options I was considering. I had Logan Webb, who is sneakily having one of the best pitching seasons in all of baseball. Yeah. Uh, and he's among the pitching, among the leaders in deserved run average, which is a metric over at uh, baseball prospectus. He's pretty young. He's 26 years old. Uh, so I really did strongly consider Webb. Uh, I also have Thario Estrada, who's had a huge season, but I am, I, I how sustainable his production is and could be, I'm a little leery of. I, I do think he is sort of a contact uh, hitter that is kind of getting to power. I don't think there's a boatload of raw there. Um, and I think the speed is sort of like a I, I don't think he's going to be a player who steals 30 bases. He has 11 stolen bases now. I just don't see it. I think I see him more of like a 15 home run, 20 stolen base type player that hits like 270, and which is great. But I'm really kind of looking for somebody who's more stable, like Reynolds, uh, who I think can be like a 280 hitter with 25 plus home runs and you know 10 to 15 stolen bases in a surprisingly solid Pirates team. Um, so I thought Reynolds was the choice. Uh, I did almost trade him because I have these options because I thought about Webb, but because I already have Pablo Lopez as a fan favorite, I didn't want to go pitcher pitcher. Uh, I thought that was a bit too risky. I I think given that we do start five outfielders in this league, 20 team league, five starting outfielders. So a hundred active outfielders. I thought it made sense to go with an outfielder like uh, Reynolds as well. So, Cause there's a lot of scarcity in the outfield. Uh, so that was my, decision. I almost traded him to uh, Chris Fargus, who actually acquired Will Smith uh, from Akeem. I almost did, uh, but I decided that it made more sense and he and Reynolds was more valuable to designate as a fan favorite. Yeah, I think I think Reynolds actually is my favorite of all the FF2s. Uh, I think I've got him ranked, it's going to be close between him and Bellinger, but I, I've, I've got him, I think I've got him ranked the highest and my philosophy with the fan favorite selections is kind of, uh, you know, upside is absolutely something you want in any kind of selection like this, but floor to me is, is very important. I think Reynolds floor is just about as high as it gets of any of the players we're talking about here. Uh, and, and another thing, you know, you talked about the skills with him, uh, the amount of times he's barreling the ball, how hard he's hitting the ball, the, the increase in speed, uh, but he just, he doesn't really miss time either. And I love that in Reynolds. He just, he's not one of these guys that kind of comes with a long track record of, of injuries. So, um, yeah, I really love the, the Reynolds selection by you. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, now we got Smata 
his fan favorite one was Glaber Torres. Uh, this year, going with Christian Yelich. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure Smata would tell us that he's not like doing a, a huge celebration about making Yelich his, his fan favorite too, probably. But uh, that contract is is going to keep him in the lineup um, for at least the rest of this year, probably into next year. Uh, how much downside do you see with, with the Yelich selection um, from Smata? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's aging up. He'll be 32 years old later this year. I think selecting someone like this at this point in their career you know he's very clearly on the downward trajectory of his career uh granted almost as soon as he uh designated him as fan favorite Yelich rewarded him with um, some monster games you know he's hit he had three home runs over the weekend uh so uh you know he's all of a sudden you know he has seven home runs and nine stolen bases he continues to make hard contact he always has uh he continues to hit everything on the ground he he always has, except for that one year in 2019. Uh, you know, I'm not, a, I don't hate it. It was definitely better than his initial selection, um, which was Reese Hoskins, who I don't, I think is borderline rosterable, to be honest, in a lot of fan, dynasty formats, because I question whether even Hoskins is going to find a full-time job next year, you know, coming off of serious injury as a righty, righty first baseman with declining um, production. So Yelich, I think, was probably the most rational decision you know i think that he's a player who gets underrated in fantasy because his home run and stolen base production hasn't really like popped the last few years but he surprisingly pr- produces because he scores a lot of runs he is, already has over 30 home runs this year um, he scores a lot of runs he gets on base and he gets enough home run and stolen base production to be an asset so i don't hate it but obviously dirt at his stage in his career, it is a risk. You know, he's uh, he is under contract for a while, <laughs> yeah, a long time. So I think that it's safe in a way, in much the same way as Arenado is. But I think that it's one of those selections that I think isn't going to pay dividends in year three. Yeah, I mean, it it might have been that weekend series that did it, but uh, Yelich's ground ball rate down below fifty three percent, which for him is is actually pretty solid. Um, he was over 58% last year. So if you can just kind of keep the ground balls around, you know, half the time, uh, you know, we don't want to set our sights too high with the LH there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's very, very solid um, and better in OBP than, than batting average, but uh, still a guy who's going to hit around 250. Uh, okay. Uh, Kevin Hastings here. Um, this one, you know, you know, he probably understands as well as we do that this one, probably not one of the best fan favorites, but, uh, his fan favorite last year, Ty France, his fan favorite this year, Taylor Walls, uh, Walls certainly has more valuable or has more value in this league than he might in some of your home leagues or your shallower, uh, dynasty or keeper leagues. Um, but, uh, what, what do you think about Taylor Walls just in general? Um, I I think a lot of what we've seen from him is fluky. Uh, you know, he has seven home runs. His max exit velocity is a 104.8. Uh, he just doesn't have a lot of power. He's never had a lot of power. I think that, you know, he's a true talent, like 10-ish home run hitter. Um, the mm-hmm. fact that he's already at seven is 
just raise magic. This year has just been a magical season. Everyone's producing. I think that this is not at all sustainable for Walls. You know, that said, I do think he's going to be a pretty, you know, he's going to get semi-regular playing time because of his defensive value. He's a very good defensive player. He plays all over the infield. Um, he does make a lot of contact. So in much the same way I talked about with Thario Estrada, Walls is not a power hitter. He's not going to hit for power. He has less power than Estrada. And I think the power is not sustainable. I think the speed, he does have speed. So he has seven stolen bases. I think that he could be a guy who gets to 10 homers and 15 plus stolen bases. But I think a lot of it, it's just not a profile I love. I was actually surprised when he was designated as a fan favorite. I thought there were better options on the team. I love Hunter Brown. I thought Hunter Brown would have been my selection. Uh, he also has Ryan Helsley. And I think that there hasn't been many closers designated as a fan favorite. And I know Helsley is kind of almost in a timeshare right now in St. Louis. So that would have been uh, another potential option, but I would have probably designated Brown. Um, I get not wanting to go with a, a pitcher because of the risk involved, you know, pitchers break. We've seen a lot of that this year, uh, but Hunter Brown's I think a special talent on a very good team in a great organization. And he would have been my pick. Yeah, I would have gone with Brown as well. Uh, obviously some risk there, but I think that's probably a situation where you kind of go big, um, roll the dice with Brown, uh, you know, two, two walls credit. Uh, he's swinging um, significantly more in the zone this year than last year, which combined with the contact rate is, is good for him. Um, and I, my general philosophy with these is kind of I want to if if whenever possible I want kind of a a pre-prime or a prime hitter in their twenties that uh, can just kind of be part of my lineup um, going forward. And I think Walls Walls clears the bar of of a guy that you're you're never going to regret having in your lineup in this league. So um, yeah, but he's also a player who has a very low floor. And yes. you know, obviously, you're. I think getting high floor options is a great idea. Like you all, like you already said, and that would be my biggest concern with Walls is that the floor is what he's been. Um, right. You know, it's not like he's a super high contact hitter either. You know, it's uh, his his bats of ball skills are kind of average, and you know, I just he scares me. Uh, I I think that he's a. Uh, a fine player. The other thing that I think we should have considered here is that Walls was technically eligible. He could have been kept as an underdog, yes. which is the nest designation. That I think should have been a consideration. There's one other player who was kept as a fan favorite that could have been kept as an underdog. And we'll get to that player. Um, I think you could have waited a month to see how sustainable this production is. And then just made the decision on walls. Um, that's a thing that kind of like, bothered me a little i think about the selection but i i don't i i understand it for the reasons that you've mentioned about hitting depth in this league is a serious issue and walls's versatility and his obvious obviously production to date uh, obviously has a lot of value yeah the the underdog designation was almost created for a player like taylor walls uh, yeah very very much of an underdog uh, walls is not an everyday player which is scary now, Michael Waterloo, uh, as you mentioned, sweating out the Masataka Yoshida uh, rookie eligibility, 
factor with his uh, designation. He was able to keep Yoshida uh, to pair with Key Brian Hayes, who was his fan favorite from last year. Uh, I was pretty agnostic with Yoshida coming into the year. I, I didn't draft him anywhere. Um, I just wasn't really willing to kind of trust in in Heim Bloom in this scenario, and I don't really buy the, the translations uh, projection-wise in terms of how reliable those can be. But uh, so far, he's completely paid off anyone who uh, even considered getting involved uh, with Yoshida this year. Yeah, I have a lot of shares of Yoshida. Uh, I was actually... You know, I I was considering him. I initially had the first overall pick in the preseason draft, uh, and I was probably going to be taking Jackson Holiday with that pick, but I ended up trading that pick. And honestly, in retrospect, it could have been Holiday, it could have been Yoshida. Those may have been better than the trade I ended up making, which I liked a lot, and I got Walker Bueller out of that deal. Um, but right now, in you know hindsight being 2020, it's not looking great. And Yoshida obviously has been fantastic. You know, he's hit 301, 381, 507. He's been red hot of late. He's up to six home runs. The thing that's really surprised me with Yoshida is how much power he's getting to. Uh, I just did not expect that at all. You know, this is not a big guy. He's listed at 5'8", 176. Uh, I knew the bat to ball was going to be very good, and it's been very good. His zone contact rate is 85.2%. His strikeout rate's below 10%. Uh, he's one of the one of the rare players in all of baseball that is an elite contact hitter with with what's what's looking like above to plus power. And I just don't think many people expected the power to play like this. And even from the data we had from Nippon Professional Baseball, the power wasn't like this over there. So I think it's sort of a shock uh, in a way. Um, and I'm, I'm loving it, to be honest. I love that he's able to produce this way. That said, you know, I, I thought that Waterloo would have been fine, even if Yoshida did not get up to 131 at-bats. He had Josh Young, who I thought would have been an, a very good pivot. He had technically has Kyle Schwarber, who is over 30 years old, but we've seen his production over the years, and I think he could have been a good selection as well. Plus, Yoshida is technically eligible as an underdog. Uh, so he could have kept him as an underdog as well. Uh, but, you know, I definitely understand it. He's obviously showing that he's a an elite player. I think he's a borderline, if not already, a top 100 dynasty player right now. Yeah, my, my guess kind of coming into the year was that he was going to be like Stephen Kwan without the speed. And he's like I would have projected basically around six homers and two steals for Yoshida on the season. And he's already got the six homers and two steals. I, I thought it was Alex Verdugo. That's who I thought he was. And of course, Alex Verdugo is basically matching him. They have very yeah. similar production um, this year. Uh, that's who I thought he was. And I thought that's why I actually do have a lot of shares of Yoshida because I thought he was undervalued for a long time. But, uh, you know, he's been better than I expected he still does put a lot of balls on the ground he is a hit over power bat so i think that the power production he's shown to date i think may slow um but i do think he could get up to 15 plus home runs over the course of the year and he'd be a 300 hitter which has a ton of value all right the the itch will be next uh he won the league last year obviously and his fan favorite selection 
this year, Nathaniel Lowe. Last year, Edwin Diaz. We know that that hasn't aged very well, but I don't think you can point to the way Diaz got injured as something like, you know, it's not like his elbow started barking, which you would have assumed would have been the case if you knew he was going to miss a year. Uh, but Nathaniel Lowe, uh, pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, you're looking for high floor bats, and that's exactly what Lowe is. <laughs> you know, he's maybe not producing as he was in the second half last year, but he's saying 265, 346, 446, with lots of run production in a very good Texas Rangers lineup. And, you know, I think that there's more. Obviously, we've seen more from him. I think that he could get to more. Uh, so I thought that he's a very good selection, just 27 years old. So you're getting at the middle of his prime years. Right. I thought the other option he had uh, up, up, and he got maybe a fortunate save here because he had Drew Rasmussen, who mm -hmm. I legit thought would have been a, a good selection. Granted, he, since he already has Edwin Diaz, I don't know if he would have gone arm-arm. But Rasmussen, the news about his injury came out before the deadline, before he even let the league know who his fan favorite could would be. So I don't know if he would have gone with Rasmussen. Obviously, Rasmussen was having an electric season, uh, showing you know sit three pitches that were plus or better offerings yeah. with he was really breaking out in a big way and his injury is very unfortunate but maybe it would have, the timing of it may have been fortunate for for the itch yeah and, and the thing i love you mentioned it kind of with the the low selection just the fact that he, he turns 28 in july so he's getting just the exact years you'd want from low and then yeah. when this fan favorite tag expires that's basically going to be the beginning of the, the the Nathaniel Lowe decline so exactly uh, works out works out well for the itch uh Jordan Rosenblum uh caught a little heat last year for his Joey Gallo fan favorite selection mm -hmm. uh he takes a closer this this time around Josh Hader uh I you know I think that that's one of the more interesting fan favorite selections here because he is the first uh closer uh of the bunch and just kind of comes down to how long is josh Hader gonna stay healthy uh, for as long as he's healthy it's gonna be a good selection yeah you know this is a saves only league and you know a 20 team league so closers are a highly sought after commodity and especially elite closers and josh Hader has returned to his elite status i think that his production's not quite um is surface level production. So his ERA, his whip, I think it's kind of overstating how good he's actually been. I don't think he's been as good as he's made out to be. Uh, I know that his deserved run average is around four. So, which is a big difference from what his ERA is, which is one. Uh, so that said, you know, he's a locked in closer. He's 29 years old. Closer age kind of doesn't matter at all uh, for the most part. And he's been an established closer, closer for years and years and years. So as long as he's healthy, I think that it's going to pay off. Right. It's really just the health. Like his, his performance would have to decline so much um, for him to not be a closer somewhere. Um, we've kind of seen that with like the Kenleys and Kimbrels and um, you, know, you have to kind of get to Craig Kimbrell last year level bad to stop saving games. Um, okay. Uh, Chris Fargus, aforementioned, uh, he trades for Will Smith as his fan favorite. And last year, his fan favorite was, was uh, George Springer. 
Um, what were his options? How, how badly do you think he needed Will Smith here? Oh, he needed badly. <laughs> I think he designated Bryson Stott before he ended up making this trade. Uh, and I, I'm not very high on Bryson Stott. I think he's fine, a fine fantasy option, but I think his upside is quite limited. I think he's sort of like a 270-10-10 type player, and which is in a league like this, that will work. But getting a player like Will Smith, who is an elite catching catcher, you know, in his prime, 28 yeah. years old, uh, having a career year so far, you know, he's hitting 323, 412, 613 with seven home runs. One of the rare catchers who can, who just mashes, hits in the middle of the, of a very good lineup with the Dodgers. So I thought it was fantastic. I personally think Will Smith was one of the better options. Um, I, I already talked about catcher value in this league. So yes, there is a high replacement value at catcher. And I understand maybe what Akeem did in terms of trading Will Smith and going with Jeremy Pena, but I still think Will Smith's just ha- such an elite player. The, you know, he makes hard contact. He is his strikeout to walk ratio this year is wild. He has eight strikeouts to 16 walks uh, is only 25 games. You know, he hasn't, you know, he's been off injured this year, but the he's had a, I think this is, he's transformed in a lot, in a lot of ways. This is a player who's, who has been a high contact hitter for a long time, but this year his zone contact rate has jumped nine percentage points up to 93 percent his uh contact rate is 88.5 percent it's just wild you never see this out of a power hitter like will smith and you know if anything i think it might i think there's a good question about whether he is whether him or adley are the top dynasty catching prospect and i would not fault anybody for choosing will smith yeah i thought uh yeah i mean i I love smith coming into the year, uh, didn't even need to break out. I I didn't think to kind of pay off, uh, the price tag necessarily. And he has wrote, we, we were all, at least I always kind of looked at Will Smith as kind of, um, really good, like with his current skills, but there were, there was enough there where you could see another level, um, but you couldn't really bank on another level. And as you said, it does seem like he has maybe taken that next level. Uh, the concussion, you know, hopefully that's the last we we ever hear of that with him. I uh, hate it when catchers you know start dealing with concussions on a semi regular basis. So hopefully that's just a, a thing in the rearview mirror that we'll we'll never have to have him deal with again. But uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think uh, you know it, it's it's tough to bet against Adley uh, at catcher, but I, I think it it undersells how special Will Smith is to say that it's clearly Adley in Dynasty. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I do prefer Adley and Dynasty, but I think that the gap is, is close. All right. Now, Alex Sanchez, uh, his fan favorite last year was Max Freed, and his fan favorite this year, James Outman. Uh, you know, Outman, um, would he have been eligible as, a, as an underdog? Or? Yes. Yes, yes he okay. would have been. This is, uh, I, I meant, I forgot about Yoshida being one of those players, but uh, Hauptman is the other one I was thinking about earlier as a player that could have you could have waited to see 
if this production is sustainable for him um, over another month, which is, I think for a player like Altman, I think that that makes a lot of sense because of the swing and miss. The swing and miss is extreme. Uh, his zone contact rates among the worst in all of baseball at 69%. And the whiff rate or the contact rate in general is like 60%, which is atrocious. So this, it's just I, a very scary profile to me. Um, I, I think the power is legit. You know, he's definitely above the plus power. He gets to a lot of it in games because he has a leveraged approach that is designed almost to hit pull side home runs. And he has legit speed too. So I think the power and speed is there, but the swing and miss is so scary. And it's the Dodgers, you know, who's to say that he won't like move into a, you know, a strong side platoon role or a fourth outfielder role even at some point. And that's what concerns me with Outman. I understand the designation because the power and speed is in my mind special and his production has been great. Dodgers have been rolling him out every day and he has held his own against lefties. He's produced against lefties. So I think that, and his defense has been solid enough. I think that to keep him in the lineup, Dodgers don't really have any other options for center field. So I do think that there is a lot of, a lot of runway for Altman's profile to regress before he, you know, gets reserved at all for the Dodgers. But I do think he's probably a true talent, like 220 hitter, which, you know, isn't ideal. Yeah. Um, I mean, XBA is 227, um, and projections pretty much, you know, bad X has him 231. Uh, now, they, they weren't high on him coming into the year, obviously, but um, the nice thing about Outman is he's he's 26, so mm-hmm. you're getting, in theory, basically his best years here. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's not the best, but it's it's far from the worst. He also had Josh Lowe as an option who we've already talked about. I thought I would have gotten was, Yeah. I think although it was a close call, I think I definitely would understand pre- preference for Lowe because I don't think the swing miss is nearly as extreme. Um, I think there's more power with Lowe and I think there's more speed. So, and he's younger. So a lot of good things for Lowe. It's just usage, right? Lowe's a, Lowe's not an everyday player, which I think is part of the thing. Lowe's also eligible as an underdog. Um, but the person who I may have gone with was Dustin May, uh, who he still has. Uh, I know that a lot of the metrics don't love May. Uh, you know, this is a player who doesn't has not missed a lot of bats this year. He only has 32 strikeouts in 47 innings. But he's 25 years old, and his stuff is among the best in all of baseball. Uh, I think that he's one of the rare players who I'm, who I'd be willing to bet on um, to outperform, you know, his like deserved run average, to outperform his FIP, to outperform his Sierra, to outperform all the the things that all the metrics that say he should be doing a lot worse because he is such a heavy ground ball pitcher. He's in a lot of ways, it's like uh, Logan Webb in that I think that we should look past some of the, I guess, advanced metrics when it's about when you're looking at these types of unique arms. And I really do think May is a guy I'd be willing to bet on to even take another step forward. I mean, he's he's a pitcher who has on stuff plus, all right? His four-seamer is 116. His sinker is 116. His cutter is 112. His curveball is 145, which is absolutely elite, one of the best curveballs in all of baseball. I mean, you're not going to find that kind of stuff out there for many pitchers at all. Um, so May's a guy I think that, you know, yes, he's likely not, what he's done so far, which is 2.680 ERA and a 0.94 whip, 
isn't likely not representative of how he actually pitched. But I do think that there's another level here, a, a big another level here for May. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned Logan Webb, but like, is uh, where do you sort of see Dustin May's uh, strikeout rate kind of sitting, say, like next year? Because um, he he's down kind of in you know near the bottom of the league, basically at at seventeen point five percent right now. But we saw with Logan Webb, he kind of had a dip last year, and he's back up to where he was in twenty twenty one. Um, do you see kind of a do you, do you see Dustin May kind of getting up to sort of mid twenties in, in strikeout percentage? I don't think so. I don't think that's the type of pitcher he is. Uh, I think he's maybe could get to low twenties. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be like ten K per nine um, at all because his pitches are not designed necessarily to miss bats. He has a big sweeping curveball um, that is designated as a curveball, but our, it's it's likely a sweeper under the new Stackhouse designations. Uh, it's got special shape in much the same way as like Julio Urias. Urias. Um, his curveball, his sweeper, it's not a big bat misser. Same thing with Dustin May. They're there to induce weak contact. Uh, and, you know, he does throw a sinker a lot. Uh, and I think that if he adjusted his usage to go more four-seamer rather than sinker, I think there's a chance we could see an uptick in strikeout rate. But he hasn't done that. I mean, there was hints of it uh, in the past. But he's... And he has, you know, upped his four-seam usage ever so slightly every single year. I mean, last year it was at 23.2%. This year it's at 27.2%. Uh, so it's it's trending up, but he still does lean heavily on that sinker. And the sinker is not – sinkers generally just don't miss bats. Um, there are very rare sinker, sinker designations to actually miss bats. Someone like a Kyle Harrison – who technically throws a sinker, but it has four seam traits, and I, that's a bat missing pitch, but not Dustin May. Dustin May's sinker is designed to, to induce ground balls. Because of that, that he's I just don't think he's going to be a big big bat missing pitcher. But do we? I don't think that we should care a ton about that because I think the ratios are always going to be fantastic. I think you know we always consistently sleep on someone like Julio Urias, who consistently performs despite you know everything telling us he doesn't he shouldn't and i think that's what dustin may is yeah and there's there's a fifth pitching category uh the wins category yeah and uh that's that's gonna be a big one for dustin may um we're working our way down the standings here in the the highlander dynasty invitational uh up next dj short uh last year's fan favorite selection was alec bohm this year nico horner uh Kind of a, a similar type of a selection here, just a, a young big league hitter with a decently high floor. Um, what, what do you think about the Horner selection? Uh, I thought it was the right selection. Uh, I think Nico Horner lacks like a boatload of upside because it is very much a hit over power profile. He does not have a lot of power. He has enough that I think he can get to 10 home runs any given year. He, he kind of reminds me of... He's like a Tommy Edmond type, um, which we know has a lot of fantasy value. So I think locking Horner up for three years, he's just 26 years old. He has absolutely elite bat-to-ball ability, um, and the speed is translating really well this year. It's 12 stolen bases. They're letting him run wild, uh, even if the power isn't loud. Or doesn't really get to, he doesn't really get to it in games. I think he can still be a very valuable player. Yeah, I mean, you said Tommy Edmond. I was kind of thinking shades of like Whit Merrifield. Yeah, um, and 
you know that there's a there's a shelf life for that skill set. Uh, but Horner just turned 26. Um, just as an aside, what what do you think about uh, Christopher Morrell for Dynasty? I'm I say sell if you have Morrell right now. Given his recent heater, he has such extreme swing and miss issues. I mentioned the issues that Altman has, but Morel's even worse. Morel, if he was eligible, would have easily the worst zone contact rate, I think, in all of baseball. Um, same as last year. I mean, it's around 65% generally, and it was like that in AAA too. The power's very real. I mean, he's a fun player. He'll get to power. He has some speed. But, man, the contact issues he has are just scary. Yeah, he's he's really flying close to the sun right now. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to, to Chris Clegg. Uh, last year, his fan favorite was Joe Musgrove, and this year, Cody Bellinger. Uh, I think per my last Dynasty Rankings update, Bellinger might be the highest ranked of all the fan favorite selections. I yeah, I think it, it'd be close if I were re-ranking today, but. Uh, how much are you buying in on the Cody Bellinger we've seen in 2023? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of things that I'm remain concerned about with Bellinger. I think that, you know, the power has never been loud. It's never been the type of power that, that really supports his production. Uh, I think it's very squarely average raw power that he gets to a ton in games because he puts he has great pull side power he gets to it all um and then some so i think that while i think he is going to still hit for home runs i don't think that he's going to be like a 30 home run hitter anymore i do think he can be 20 plus um very easily the thing that i think is the most sustainable thing about his entire profile is the speed i mean cody bellinger's fast uh he's always been fast and i think that they're letting him run loose in Chicago right now. Chicago's letting everyone run, run loose. And uh, I think if he continues to run, then, I mean, he's a 2020 player. I think very, very, I think he's a fairly safe 2020 player. That said, I think that the average is probably going to come down. I think that he has benefited. He's one of the prime beneficiaries of the new shift rules. Uh, and I think that he is still a player that, can hit like 250, 250, 2020. Um, but I'm not really buying in fully. I've met 76 in my rankings. So I, I do think this is a fantastic selection. He's one of the best in my mind of all the players that have been selected. Uh, but I do think that he's due for some regression. You know, he is 27. So we're going to, he's getting locked up for a prime year. You know, I would say probably Cody Ballinger's prime was, was years ago. <laughs> but I think you're still getting very good years of his pr- production and uh, you know the changes change of scenery is done wonders for him yeah it's going to be fascinating to see where he ends up uh in the off season um mm-hmm. i i definitely think the change of scenery was was excellent for him and then it just kind of becomes sort of where is his next change of scenery does he does he stay in chicago um yep. so let's go now to uh drew wheeler uh his fan favorite last year, right up there is one of the best, Zach Allen. And mm-hmm. this year he goes with JT Real Muto. Uh, certainly a older selection among the fan favorite selections. And then when you throw in that Real Muto is a catcher, um, kind of gets emphasized his age, but he's still very productive. Uh, how do you see that fan favorite uh, designation, 
designation aging? I do not think it's going to age well. That said, I don't dislike it. You know, he's still very athletic. He's, you know, probably one of the more athletic catchers in all of baseball. Uh, so I think his profile should age better than maybe some. But that also comes with a risk because you are attaching value to his stolen bases. And he has seven of them this year. And if the speed backs up uh, as he ages, then, you know, and the stolen bases start to dry up, then all of a sudden his profile is changes dramatically for fantasy purposes. Uh, but I, you know, I do understand it. He is hitting 299 with those seven stolen bases and three home runs. He's been fairly, he's been one of the most consistent performers in all of baseball. Um, you know, as a catcher, I think he's been top three basically for the last decade almost, uh, almost every single year. Uh, decades the wrong, wrong, term, wrong amount of time, but it's been about five or six years. And if you're looking for floor and stability, I think that it's despite his age, I think it's a, a very fine selection. I think of the options that Drew had, I thought that he was probably the best option. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm never going to bet against Real Muto on sort of a month-to-month basis or sort of – like I'm never going to – I don't think I'm going to decide necessarily before a draft season mm-hmm. this is the year that it's going to all fall apart for Real Muto unless we sort of see some kind of clear signs of that. Uh, but you would, you'd have to imagine at least towards the end of this it's not looking that great, but um, – I mean, you could do a lot worse, and uh, the now value is, is absolutely there. Uh, all right, Chris Mayer, uh, the Baseball Pods Twitter account. Uh, Chris had Astros Luis Garcia as his fan favorite last year, which kind of example of the pitfalls of going with a pitcher. Uh, yeah. And then Jorge Polanco as his fan favorite this year. Yeah, it's a bummer with what happened with Luis Garcia. But this, yeah, that's exactly right, right? You don't. You don't want two pitchers for that reason, partly. And even just one pitcher is can be a little bit nerve-wracking and scary. I mean, I have Pablo Lopez, and I'm just like, please be healthy. <laughs> please. Um, I'm liking what I'm getting from this year. But, uh, yeah, I don't love Jorge Polanco as a selection. I don't think he had a lot of great options for this designation, so I understand why he went Polanco. Polanco's obviously been injured. I think – how these injuries, I think, are starting to pile up for Polanco. He's aging up. You know, he's, I believe, 29. He's going to be 30 soon. Uh, I I just don't know how impactful he's going to ultimately be over the course of these three years. And I think that there's a chance, if it does crater for him in any way, shape, or form, that it it just completely falls apart, which is my concern with him. Since he's returned to action, he's produced, though, I will say. He's at 283, 327, 489 with those with four home runs. Uh, a lot of what he's done is he's, he's barreled a ton of balls, 14.7% barrel rate. He's made a good amount of hard contact. A lot of the underlying skills are solid for uh, Polanco, but I think my biggest concern with him would be the injury track record. Yeah, and the the twins have uh, some pretty nice depth behind him. So um, I think at some point before the end of that fan favorite designation, they'll have kind of moved on to to something else there. But um, you know, Polanco could be he could be a top two hundred ish fantasy option for the next you know two and a half years or so. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see about that one. 
Um, let's see here. Uh, I'm going to jump to, we might be able to get Brett on. Uh, I'm going to jump to, to Jeff Potts quick. Uh, he is second to last in the standings. Brett is third to last. I am last. Uh, Potts had Kevin Gaussman as his fan favorite last year. That's obviously worked out very well. And then this year he goes with Jonathan India, uh, who hasn't hit for much power, but at least he's running. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of a rebound year, obviously, for India. I think that he's not hit for a lot of over-the-fence power, but he is hitting for the easily the most hard contact of his entire career. Uh, his hard hit rate's up to 43.7% this year, which is five percentage points better than it was in his breakout breakthrough 2021 season. Uh, so I think it's great to see him getting to power in games, um, making a lot of hard contact. I think the home runs will come. I don't think that it's like a ton of home runs, but I think he can be 15 to 20. He can be a lot like what he was in 2021. And I think this is a huge rebound season for him. And again, you know, you mentioned the speed. He has eight stolen bases. I think, if anything, I don't think that's going to be the most sustainable thing. I do think he's a double-digit stolen base player long-term, and I think that the new rule changes are certainly helping India. But I think the most the thing I'm really focused on with India is the power, is the contact rate improvement. His zone contact rate's 88.2%. He has an elite uh, elite play discipline, too. Uh, I just I think what we're seeing with India is everything we hope for from him in 2021. And I don't think people are really fully there in terms of buying back in. So I really do like this destination. I think you're getting a prime, a prime player. He's 26 years old. You're getting his, you know, you're getting great years from India. He's in a fantastic ballpark. Uh, I think it's a very good selection. Yeah. This is the exact type of hitter that I really love uh, giving this designation to where it's it's early prime. Um, they're going to play a lot. Yep. Just someone that you know each year, this is a guy I'm leaving in my lineup. I just never even have to think about it. Uh, where did you end up ranking uh, India among all Dynasty players? I think he's just outside my top 100. Okay. I think. I think that's that's kind of where I have him too. I think like mid, mid 100, something like that. Yeah, um, I think. I think that in OBP is a guy like which your rankings are, I would probably even rank him higher. Um, let me see where I had him. I had him at 95, actually. Uh, my most recent update was on uh, the 12th, so last Friday. I think yours was a little, little, yeah, mine's little, a, mine's a little older than that. Yeah, yeah a little older. Yeah. Um, so yeah, great, great pick by Jeff. Uh, we do have Brett now. Uh, Brett, are you with me? Thanks for joining us. What's up? How's it going? Great, great to great to have you here, the the mastermind behind the Highlander Dynasty Invitational and these fan favorite designations. Uh, was just kind of uh, marveling earlier in the show again about just how you came up with this league. Uh, very very fun. Uh, your fan favorite designation last year was Andrew Vaughn. This year you went with Nolan Gorman. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, hopefully this one goes a little bit better than the last one. I, I still think uh, – I, I still like Vaughn a lot. And, and honestly, there there are some similarities between between Gorman and Vaughn. Uh, I mean, Vaughn just, just – I, I cough if you heard this 50 times, but Vaughn needs to hit the ball in the air a little bit more. Um, it's not that he doesn't hit the ball hard. He just doesn't quite uh, – he doesn't have the over-the-fence power that he should. 
Um, and you know, if he can bump up, if he can bump up that launch angle, some of those grounders will turn to line drives also and help the batting average. So I think there's, I still think there's a lot of upside for him compared to what he's doing now as a, you know, as like a two sixty two seventy hitter with 25 homers. Um, I think that's about, I think that's about his ceiling at this point though. Um, Gorman, Gorman hits the ball even harder and he hits the ball in the air more. Uh, I, he's had a really nice start to the season and, uh, I, I really, I really like the way he's kind of angled for playing time in St. Louis. It's been a, it's been a little bit of a slog getting into that lineup on a regular basis, but he's, uh, he's, he's there in a prime spot and, uh, and I, I don't think he's going anywhere. No, I, I, I think that that's this, I mean, the Gorman, this has gone about as well as anyone could have hoped, I think, uh, for 2023, as far as Nolan Gorman's concerned, because of the playing time hurdles that he had to kind of get through. Um, I mean, he, he's played his way into being a big part of that team. Um, how close do you yeah. have Gorman and Vaughn right now for, for Dynasty? Because they're, as you yeah. said, they are sort of trending in different directions, but um, very I, I similar high pedigree guys. Yeah, I have them pretty close. I think Gorman's clearly taken a step forward. Um, but, I mean, we're also only six weeks away, six weeks removed from him being – I mean, I got him as a reserve pick in, in tout mix in the middle of March, and that's an OBP league. Um, so, you know, there, there, are, there are lingering questions there as to whether he, can, whether he can keep up this pace, and this pace is probably not – overly sustainable but he's also running a little bit which is which is kind of nice he uh you know especially in st louis he could he could finish with 10 steals which is uh not insignificant but i i think i think at this point i i have i have gorman kind of tipped over vaughn uh at at this point but they're relatively close and i i just it's they they are they're definitely going in opposite directions because that was not particularly close at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I have Gorman one spot ahead of Vaughn. <laughs> there you exactly. go. So, yeah, I think that the big issues with Gorman are a lot of the same issues that I we already discussed with Josh Lowe in that uh, there is very real swing-miss issues with Gorman, and he mm-hmm. doesn't play against lefties. But, you know, again, same with Lowe. That's fine. If he's going to play against lefties and be a disaster, we don't want him to play against lefties, uh, even if it does reduce his potential impact i obviously even to date it hasn't really been a huge issue he has 10 home runs and 33 rbis uh that's huge out of second base uh, the power like you said is very real and he get it's his swing path is designed to get to that power his average launch angle is over 20 degrees uh, so that's what he is uh, i think the average is going to come down hard but i think he can still be a guy who hits like 240 and gets 30 home runs out at second base. And that's got a lot of value. Yeah, I, I think the average, I think he hits the ball hard enough, even with the swing and misses. I think the batting average, I think the batting average can, can hew a little higher than that. I think, I think it can, I think he could be, I, I think he could kind of sneak up to the 260 range. Um, it's going to, he, he's going to have to continue to make progress with the swing and miss. But I mean, he, 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 he does not have a ton of major league experience on at, at his back. He, he will, I, I believe he will get a little bit better at that. Um, but no, he, the average is definitely over his head right now. 
I, uh, you know, the, the interest, I, I thought I was going to have an interesting decision and then I ended up not because the other player I was thinking about ended up about 10 at bats short of, um, being able to be selected with the pick, but I'm just, I'm curious to ask you guys. So I, I had been, I'd been kind of toggling back and forth mentally between Nolan Gorman and Brett Beatty and, uh, you know, uh, that is, it ended up not being able to be picked for this. I, I think I, I really like that, but, um, if they were both available, who would you guys have picked for this? I would want Beatty. Yeah, I would have gone with Beatty. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, look, like I, I love, like Nolan Gorman has surpassed my expectations basically every of the past two or three years. And he's just turned 23. And so I, I love it when a guy that young just keeps doing more than I'm expecting them to do. So, I mean, I think the Gorman one is is great, but I mean, I, I would have gone with Beatty. Yeah, it was a bummer. I think I would have too, but yeah, that's uh, I mean, Gorman's still a great pick. I think it's, I think it's close and because, and we have production from Gorman and he's, if the production continues, if he starts getting playing time against lefties, if he can kind of ma- manage the extreme fly ball nature of his profile and his whiff issues and still hit for average, he's an, he could really explode up rankings. We could see him easily being like a top 100 dynasty player in short order if he can manage all that. But I do think it's there obviously is risk, but I think like what James has talked about in the podcast is you want to get these type of types of young position players with, you know, dynasty with fantasy impact uh, locked up. And I think Gorman's definitely qualifies as one of those players. Yeah, I, I would not have, uh, if, if Gorman were not on my roster, I would have a very, very hard time picking someone for this. <laughs> uh, because I, as you both know, my, my, my roster skews towards the uh, towards the prospects, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's rough sledding beyond that. But you know, Gorman did enough that I'm 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 happy with it. Are you looking forward to your underdog selection, Brett? Uh, I am looking forward to my underdog selection, and I'm also now now that Matt McLean is up in the majors, I am going to have to start thinking about who I'm going to designate as my next rising star once he eclipses his eligibility. So uh, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I have not gotten off the Matt McLean train, even though uh, Jesse, I know you, you jumped off to save your life about. I never jumped that far off. No, (laughs) I think I was like the (laughs) highest. I think I ranked him higher than just about anybody uh, coming into the season. And I probably not lower higher than you, of course, but (laughs) um, no, I, uh, obviously his production in AAA has been fantastic. It was fantastic. Uh, And we'll have to see how he does at the major league level. Um, I think the power has really shown through this year. Uh, The contact has ticked up. Uh, the speed is, you know, consistently good. Uh, so it'll be fun to see. I'm, you know, I'm really excited to see how he produces at the major league level. Uh, there is still some enough underlying swing and miss. That I'm a little bit concerned, but I mean, it, you can deal with it if he continues to barrel the ball, if he continues to put balls over the fence and seal bases. Yeah. He's in a great yeah, situation. The, he, he is because everyone sucks on that team, at least yeah. for now. Uh, and, but yeah, as long as he runs, yeah, you, you you can handle the you can handle both the swing and miss and 
uh, and you could handle him not kind of making the most of his power once he gets to once he's kind of established in sensing. Yep. That is uh, Brett Sayer, our good buddy, President and CEO, of Baseball Prospectus. Um, I I was the one who jumped off the Matt McLean train. Um, there was many that. people who did. Many. I, I think I think almost everybody jumped off the Matt McLean train. <laughs> Uh, but really appreciate you joining me or joining us, Brett. Um, do you want to stay on for the analysis of mine or do you want to jump off? Well, I'll, ha- I'll hang on and talk about yours. All right. Uh, so uh, last place team, uh, yours truly. Uh, Willie Adamas was my fan favorite last year. Miguel Vargas, my fan favorite this year. And like Brett, I kind of needed, needed Miguel Vargas uh, to be – eligible for this uh, because I thought there was a pretty big drop off between him and my next best option, but he does kind of fit exactly what I'm looking for with a uh, kind of a pre-prime big leaguer who I can just leave in my lineup indefinitely. I don't know if any of you guys have thoughts on the Vargas selection. No, I think there's a lot of similarities. I think there's a lot of similarities between Vargas and Gorman in that, you know, it's a, they're not, they're not the same type of hitter, but you know, I, the playing time situation has worked out well for for Vargas, and I think better than kind of the median expectation there. Um, you know, I think there's more, you know, there are more players, there are probably more players, sadly, around Gorman and St. Louis than there are around Vargas and in L.A., especially after Lux's injury. But, um, you know, he's he's certainly on the way to establishing himself as a very good major league hitter, and uh, I... Uh, I, I, I like that, but yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing with Vargas is getting to power in games more consistently, and he's starting to do that a bit more. Uh, you know, he's his numbers don't necessarily jump off the page, and you know his his exit velocities are not loud, and they were not necessarily loud in AAA either. But I do think he's going to be a player who gets who's going to hit a lot of line drives, be all fields batter. He's hitter. He's going to be, I think a guy who can provide a strong average. Uh, I think that the average right now, which is at 225, is going to go up uh, substantially. I think he's a player who, you know, at peak could be a 270, 280 hitter with 20 plus home runs and double digit stolen bases, uh, which is has a ton of value, especially at second base. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm hoping for is just kind of in his prime, like 275, 20 to 25 homers with 10 steals is, is kind of exactly what I'm hoping for with Vargas. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, Brett, any, any thoughts before we let you go on just the, the, all the, all the fan favorite selections and just how the, the Highlanders going this year? No, I, I, I consistently enjoy watching this league kind of unfold and, you know, these, I, I, I love the fact that we have all these like deadlines throughout the season so that uh, so that everyone can kind of have stuff to talk about and uh, uh, and we got another one and we got another one in a month it's uh, it's just fun man I like it I can't wait for the under the underdog I think is my favorite of the three it's uh, gonna be two. wild <laughs> the un- it's gonna be insane I like I I have a short list of guys I'm considering and they are uh, all over the friggin map. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, with the underdog designation, you're going to see a lot of prospects get designated, I think, in particular this year. Uh, I think the way it's working is there's just 
less of a pool to pick from. Um, so I think it's going to be definitely a lot of very interesting destinations. Uh, I, I am in a particular pickle because I had no keepers after the redistribution draft uh, because of the way that our invisible hand bidding for draft position worked out. So I have very limited options uh, for the underdog. So I'm I'm very motivated to potentially trade uh, for a player that could fit that fill that role for me. Yeah, I I want to just I like giving kind of underdogs the underdog tag, uh, which I kind of did with Jake Berger last year. So I have some slight temptations to lean Jesus Sanchez with my underdog tag, but I don't think I'll be able, I don't think I'll be able to pass <laughs> up uh, putting Junior Caminero in that underdog. Yeah, side. I thought, I thought yeah, that's that, what I have designated for you right now. <laughs> that that seems like a pretty that seems like pretty much a no brainer to me. I mean, he he's he's been phenomenal this year. And Brett, you know, don't kid all kid us. We know you're going to do Owen Casey. We just know it. <laughs> I, I am underdog. <laughs> I, I am I am not necessarily going to designate Owen Casey. Um, <laughs> we will we will see what it's a, there's a lot that can happen in a month. There is, you, yeah. Is Casey eligible for Rising Star? Uh Casey is absolutely eligible for Rising yeah. Star. There you go. At least I have to go back and check. I'm pretty sure he is eligible. But I have my rising star is not a problem for me because I have a lot of prospects. That's kind of mm-hmm. my my roster is better situated for that designation than the uh, than the underdog. But yeah, yeah well, only prospects that can be kept are prospects taken off of waivers or drafted after second round or later in the preseason draft as rising stars. So it is a more limited pool, um, but you know, still, I don't think you'll have an issue finding uh, a suitable replacement for Matt McLean. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested to see how the next designations happen with underdog. Uh, I, I don't even know if there's going to be too many rising star designations this year, since so many of the ones that have already been designated as rising stars are unlikely to lose rookie eligibility, uh, not, notwithstanding Matt McLean. Um, but I, I think that I there's know. a lot of strategy involved with designated rising, rising stars trying to get players who will lose rookie eligibility. And I, I have like small regrets that I didn't designate uh, Ezekiel Tovar as my rising star last year. I, he was my underdog because it would have given me more roster flexibility once he'd lost designation and then I could uh, kind of play around with it a bit more. Yeah, this is this is going to be when uh, when I switch it over. This is going to be my third rising star of the uh, of the league so far, which I think will be tops among <laughs> everybody. So I don't I don't think I don't get any extra points for that. But it it, it there is definitely some strategy to that. That was part of the reason why uh, that was part of the reason why I designated um, uh, Adrian Morgan the first time around. Um, it was mostly a, I didn't love the rest of my options and it was a little bit of a kick the can down the road scenario because i knew he was probably just a couple months away from losing his eligibility which he was so mclean was a better pick yeah yeah i'll, I'll say um <laughs> More so than who, not even on my roster anymore who wants to what, what do you guys got going on at bp what should people be uh on the lookout for at, at baseball prospectus right now well, you know, Jesse every... just updated all his uh, yeah. all his rankings, so uh, that's that's the that's the big draw. But uh, yeah, we, we, there's a little, there's a 
there's always a lot going on at BP. Yeah, there's weekly contact coming coming out. Prospect team can every Monday has reports uh, from live looks. Uh, I know that you know I just updated my top 500 dynasty rankings and top 500 dynasty prospect rankings on the fifth and twelfth, and they are not going to get updated again for until mid June. But uh, in the coming weeks, I'll be looking at prospects. This coming week, uh, I'm going to be running up with some pitching prospects in triple a and low a uh then i'll be doing hitting prospects and dynasty uh risers after that uh and you know we're getting very close to major league draft so uh you know i think a lot of what we do i'm James, excited yeah we're gonna be doing a lot of prep for it it's a very top heavy draft class uh but a lot of very talented players at the top of that class and i believe brett you have dylan cruz on your roster don't you <laughs> I have two of my favorite bats from this draft class on my roster, and uh, I do have Dylan Cruz. Yeah, yes. but uh, I, I, I think you do, he's the clear number one guy in this in this draft. And I know this is not a 2023 draft podcast, uh, but I, I am extremely excited about the other 2023 draft pick I have on my roster, which is the uh, fast rising uh, prep shortstop uh, Arjun Imola. Uh, out of Florida, he is—he is fun to watch. Man, you gotta—he's gonna be someone I—he's gonna be someone I fight you a lot on, Jesse, when we do our uh, post-draft <laughs> rankings. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I can't, can't believe you're rostering a prep hitter in in the Highlander. That's 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 uh-huh. above my pay grade. He was my—he was my last draft pick this uh, offseason. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, Thanks again to to Brett for creating this this league and joining us, and and thank you Jesse for for co-hosting with me. Uh, really appreciate it, guys. Uh, this has been the Roadwire Prospect Podcast, brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Uh, I'll be updating my prospect rankings uh, next Thursday, uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, be back next week. All right.